Thank you, General McChrystal. Such an honor to hear your insights. I think we all learned a little something today, so thank you very much. Our next section will focus on digital transformation in the modern workplace and how government agencies can strengthen and empower their workforce. I'd like to introduce our next moderator for the session, Kevin Brooks, digital strategist at ServiceNow, with this esteemed panel consisting of Byron uh, Caswell, uh, Vice President of Strategic Consulting at ICF, Mark Patterson, CIO at the DOD Education Activity, and Ken Rogers, Deputy CIO at the State Department. Kevin. Good morning, everybody. So uh, I'm going to start this off. That was a great, great presentation, the keynote by uh, General McChrystal. So uh, it's hard to follow him, but we're going to try. We may pivot a little bit because some things he said really resonated with me and this, uh, this esteemed group here. So I want to start off by asking Mark. Mark, you've got a unique mission at Dodia. You know, you've got students, parents, uh, educators, staff. They all have to get along and figure things out. Can you talk about some of the tools that you guys have in place to engage that constituency? I think when I, and I could easily say General McChrystal stole all my comments, but uh, <laughs> I won't do that. Um, I think in 2018, when I came to the organization, we really had to look at what digital modernization was. And for my organization, it wasn't just modernization, it was transformation. So some of the strategies or plans we needed to look at involved three phases, people, processes, and platforms. And that's sort of the way we addressed it because it wasn't just about updating the systems, it was about this whole organizational change that was gonna be required for us to digitally modernize. So people, very important. If you think of people on a sliding scale, I had about 25% of the workforce who were ready to go. These were the innovators. They were already asking me, when can we, when can we, when can we? Those are the ones you have to hold back a little bit sometimes because they're too active. They really want to go. Security out the window. Let's charge, let's charge, let's do these products. Then, you know, we had about, you know, 60% of the workforce that were, oh, maybe we can do, maybe we can't do. And then you have the hater section, which everybody has those who don't want to go. And it's not that they, they hate necessarily, they hate change. So as we were looking at transformation, we applied a number of strategies to the people. Even before we brought the platforms in, we had to look at our people and what can we do to encourage them to grow. We started a champions program, which took about 20% of the organization, those ones that were already all ready to go, and we expanded that a little bit. So we started sliding that needle from 20% to 30% to 40%, and we, we were developing innovators. We were developing our team, our employees, to look for that transformation and be excited about it. Then we attacked the processes. We had about 20 applications, much older, 10 plus years old access databases that were being held onto by the organization. 
we had to relook at those business processes even before we got to the platforms. And then we looked at the platforms. So we, we sort of took it a little differently than probably a number of organizations do. We just modernize the systems and the, the employees will come along. I've got a much different user community of educators, um, education technologists. Um, how do we bring a, a group of teachers, doctors, um, into this concept of digital transformation. And I think we're, we're, we're so far successful. It's just been a, a slow process, but that's okay. We're gonna get there, so. Great. Ken, I'm gonna follow up with you and just say, hey, can you add to that? How would you, how state have you done that? Yeah, I think um, the, the, the people side of the equation is, is quite challenging at state. Um, state Department is the oldest federal agency in the government, 230 years old. So we consider change every century, not every decade. And, and so right now, as, we, as, as we're well into the 21st century, it's okay to pivot from an on-prem environment to a cloud environment. It's okay. Um, and, and so the change is, is, um, is not necessarily a good word to use if you care about your, your career at State Department. What, what matters is consensus, um, making sure people are comfortable. Um, and so we, we kind of pivoted with a, with a cloud strategy that pushed our productivity suite um, into the cloud. So you're really going from uh, an 80, you know, 100% capability in your on-prem stuff and then as you pivot to the cloud, you really get 20% of that capability. I'm talking about Microsoft productivity or, or G Suite. You're, you're moving into that cloud, you get about 20% less. But just because they've used those technologies for the past 20 years, 30 years, doesn't mean they understand how that changed when it moved into a cloud environment. So it was really, don't assume they know the difference between SharePoint groups, teams, and, and, and all the little iterations that are happening. And I think the challenge we have is it's, it's, uh, it's been a continuous process of technology iterating far faster than an organization can adapt. So you really have to think through where does that, where's the value of that technology really meet the business of the organization? So I'm introducing the right things to the organization and not stressing the organization out because change is, is such a challenge um, to everyone. Um, and, and so the, you know, kind of pivot fast forward, think about State Department. We're in 190 countries. We have about 500 locations around the globe. Every single country we're in. And there are some that are great environments with lots of technology and connectivity and others that are hardship posts that don't have that. So, but, but our whole business model is a destination, it's an embassy, it's people coming together at a place. So a couple years ago, COVID hits, and now I have to completely pivot. I literally had maybe 2,000 concurrent workers um, re working remotely. And, and I had to pivot within 90 days to 80,000 people globally working remotely. And, and it, it, really took, it really took a big toll on culture, and I can talk about that as we move through the conversation, but it, a huge cultural hit where I have people around the globe working from home disconnected to their colleagues when being connected to their colleagues is our primary business. So huge challenge, but 
you know, two years later, we're now asking the question, what, what's the flexible workforce of the future look like, and how do we equip and enable that to be effective? It's not coming back to work. It's, it's not coming back into the office. It's, it, it's, it, it requires asking the really, really hard question, how do I build culture going forward in a different paradigm? Okay, thank you for that. Uh, Byron, so these two gentlemen talked about transformation as government employees and executives. Can you talk about a little bit as an implementer and how you help your customers do that? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, seeing customers across the health, defense, intelligence, security, civilian spaces, commercially as well, I mean, when we really look at digital transformation or modernization efforts, I mean, we're talking about organizational change with the technology wrapper, right? And so, you know, General Crystal hit a few things. Ken, Mark, same thing about creating culture that is comfortable with discomfort, with discomfort, um, and being able to really embrace that, embrace that difference in how we operate because. You know, the mission still remains. The mission still accelerates. We need to do more with less, typically. We need to do more with um, more in different things in different spaces. And watching, you know, and helping and assisting federal customers move toward that, that goal is really, you know, rewarding for me. But when I think about some of the, the elements around it, you know, the people process technology tools platforms element, the organizational sort of transformation and culture issue for it, and then... <clears throat> One of the things that I, I, I always see quite a bit of, really, is, um, <clears throat> sorry, one sec. Um, one of the things I see, I see quite a bit of there is having um, the organizational disciplines and the, um, the, just the willingness for failing. And you know, we agree on the mission, we agree on the outcome, how to get there is always up for discussion. And so when organizations become successful across those, is they, they really embrace that, that aspect for it. When they move to cloud, when they move to doing different things in the, in, in the, to meet that same mission, that's really what, what hits for, for us pretty well. Okay, great. Yeah. Thank you. So Ken, we'll go back to you for a second here. And so the, uh, the federal government spends about 80% of its IT budget on existing systems. Uh, well, existing systems already have a technical debt. So that only leaves 20% of your budget to, to modernize. Can you give us some of the things that you go, go through your mind and how you uh, get to that point of maintaining current systems while also modernizing and innovating? Yeah, I'm, I'm very well aware of that. Um, <laughs> we have, we have uh, one of the indicators when I look at the, our portfolio across State Department is, is the development modernization side of my budget and the O&M side of the budget. And, and I think one of the, and then of course, that's the money we have and can use. And then I have my, my, from the people side and the mission side, I have demand. So my demand far exceeds my budget. And, and what, what chews up my ability to actually meet that demand and deliver the capabilities that the mission today needs is really to look at that O&M cost and shrink that. And, 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 um, and so, I think, again, I, I come back to, there's a couple things that we're doing. So State Department out of that 90 billion is, is, has a $3 billion IT portfolio. One billion of that, or a third of that, sits directly under the CIO. Of course, as, as General McChrystal said, the CIO is still responsible for the other 60% that's done decentralized across the department. So, so we have to manage the portfolio 
and then drive change with that budget that's directly under the, under the CIO. And there's two things we put in place over the past year for um, our CIO, Keith Jones. We put in an IT program review looking at investments from across the department. We established a, a site uh, uh, CIO IT evaluation methodology, 16 indicators and four categories. So we could look at the health and the value of our IT investments. Which ones are on the right path, moving in the right direction? Are we taking the, the, the five um, programming languages that have, that have 70 front-end apps to an Oracle system and cleaning that up or not? And so the program review really allows um, the leadership across the department. It's, it's shared by the CIO with participation by the CFO and the CAO and the CISO. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty in-depth in review of the health and value of those investments across the department and then we have the after action and follow-up. So that's, that's number, number one in order to get our arms around that. The second one is to really look at enterprise standards. One of the big challenges you have in a decentralized organization with 32 bureaus and 60% of the IT happening outside the organization, outside of direct CIO control, is, is that um, um, if they, they're gonna build to what they need and if you don't provide enterprise standards to lower the operating cost of that environment, they're gonna, you're gonna find yourself duplicating capabilities across 32 bureaus. And I'll use, I'll use the example of identity management. I can build identity management into every single application. Well, that makes no sense whatsoever. Um, or I could build a standard and require all apps to, all, all investments to leverage that central standard or service going forward. So that's a way to get that economies to scale and push down the cost associated with the apps that sit close to the mission. I'm talking HR, financial, um, acquisitions, you go down the list. Consular affairs is one of our, 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 our biggest areas where we interface with customers for passports and visas. And of course, I love the fact that we have procrastinating Americans when it comes to travel because we get um, expedited passport fees that goes into an IT central fund for funding um, uh, new initiatives across the department. So get this, we get close to three to $400 million a year because you guys wait to the last minute to get your passports. And it's, yeah. it's great. So, you know, wait to the last minute. Yeah. yeah. I'm guilty. You got some of my money. <laughs> so, um, so it, it is really important to create those standards. And then, um, you know, I've been uh, at the department for numer numerous years, and you, you look at the reputation of the IT organization, you look at the tools that are out there, and, and there's been a big push for the, the last um, couple administrations to, to really get technology right. And, and if you look at what happens with technology, is, is it used to be a support function. And if you look across the industry, every single market, um, where there is success have moved technology into, in, into par with the mission of the organization and brought it together. It's the Starbucks is an IT company that sells coffee. That's their thinking with the importance of digitization in their marketplace and we need to be thinking that as well. And, and, I, and so, but when, when I look at how we do um, technology, um, a little over 50% of my IT workforce are contractors. Many of you here 
in this in in this um, setting. And so, if I and if I look at my total portfolio, three billion four hundred million is my Fed workforce across the whole department, and the rest is hardware, software, and services that I'm buying from industry. If I don't get acquisitions right, I do not transform technology um, in the federal workforce effectively. And so we've got to figure out a way to do that. And I'll give one quick story with that regarding ServiceNow. When, when we, we moved to the cloud, and, and you know the 20% the, the, the that are aggressively adopting technology, I had close to 30 ServiceNow production environments, no, close to 50 ServiceNow production environments, and I had over 20 contracts in order to put that in place. Okay, so that's five to seven people managing every single one of those contracts. Every single one of those production environments I had to secure. 58 production environments needed an ATO, not one scaling, 58. How does that make any sense? If I want my money to go further, I've got to consolidate that. It started with an acquisition. The only place you can buy ServiceNow is through our central uh, purchase with ServiceNow. What that gave me is information. Who in the department is using this platform and why? That allowed me to have a conversation with them. Do you want to continue to spend 80% of your money for infrastructure and platform, or do you want to pivot that to spend 20% for infra infrastructure and platform and spend 80% for capability for your mission? When I framed it that way, I had, I had um, the majority of bureaus saying, okay, we don't want to run this. We want to use it. We don't want to secure it. We'll use your secure environment. And that really launched a, a significant pace of cloud app development and adoption across the department. We lowered the barriers of entry. And, and you know, when you, when you identify cost savings, you, 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 it's, it's not cost saving, it's cost avoidance. So the, so the savings that my bureaus um, were able to experience really pivoted towards their capability that they could provide to their customers. And it was, it was a huge success. Stop there. I can keep going. I get <laughs> no, that's excited okay. about that's this okay. stuff. Sorry. So, so a little earlier you were talking about culture and you wanted to come back to that. But, so I'm going to take us down that path indirectly. So I'm going to come back to Mark and ask you, I know you all have a really good uh, low-code, no-code platform you're using, for, which is ServiceNow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're, you have a citizen development program at Dudia. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Yes, we've, tr we've worked. You know, one of the things, part of that whole transformation effort was how do we push the power of the platform down to the, the lowest level possible? Um, and, and the reason for that is because we understand or we understood how old development was done by your little development shop in the dark at night, all around screens, just developing away, and realize the power of any platform, any should be pushed to the lowest level. So we've actually identified training. Um, we train down at our districts. We have district personnel that are actually trained in ServiceNow. Um, so they, they're able to go in and do a certain level of work, a certain level of automation. They do it in ServiceNow, they do it in SharePoint. You know, whatever tool they need, we provide them with a toolbox. Whether that tool's a shovel or a backhoe, like ServiceNow is, we might give them the shovel and, and train them on the shovel, but we provide that training down at the lower levels. They go through our learning management system, they take a level of courses, they do an exercise, and then they're given a certificate. They're given a certification, so now they're a, a pseudo-developer. They're an innovator. 
within the organization. So we push that platform down to the lower levels so we can be more responsive, so they can do some of their own work that increased innovation, um, excitement about now I have something at my school district level that I need to automate that may not be an enterprise project. So let's do it, you know, and we still provide them the support. If it's something big, it comes to the enterprise and then we look at it that way. So we're really excited about that. I don't know others that have done that, but we had to push that out. We don't have the bandwidth to, as you start this transformation, you, the organization develops an appetite. Yeah. And the appetite just gets bigger and bigger and everybody wants to automate and everybody wants something new. Well, the only way we can achieve uh, an innovation, innovative pace is by spreading that down and letting them handle some of that at the lower level. So Byron, to follow up on that, uh, tell us a little bit more, more expansively, you've seen sure. this work throughout the government, so. Yeah, and I'll, I'll hit what Ken said. I mean, as a guy who lives in that 20% of modernization budget, right, you know, there's, there's only so much velocity that can be delivered for that given technical debt, given funding constraints. And so democratizing the pace of change and building, again, that organizational muscle of we're going to continue to modernize together. And yes, there are times where you need sort of specialized expertise, but a lot of the processes, a lot of the, you know, uh, work that we do, the meta work that we do that enables the mission is something that, you know, citizens, soldiers, airmen, sailors, you know, federal employees can be, be part of. And so as you kind of look across the technology space that exists and align it to business function, outcome, technology services and supporting capabilities for it, how do we pick the right investment strategy to Ken's perspective of uh, giving the organization the tools that it needs to drive change at the pace it demands and uh, disappoint everybody at a rate they can accept um, in those modernization journeys. Uh, when we look at the low-code space, right, there are things that ServiceNow does really well. There are things that things like Appian or Salesforce or even some of the emerging players do really well. And making sure that a department, an entity, has the right tool for the right job and makes the right business decision given you know, fund constraints, licensing realities, but also performance, maintainability, and supportability across those becomes really powerful um, to start rolling out sort of larger and larger initiatives and become get success and build that virtuous cycle of, hey, we're part of that group that's moving the department forward, and then, oh, that's, that creates interest and engagement and more success. That's great. So, so now I'm going to close the circle and go back to even deeper into culture. And so we'll start with go left to right because make it easier. So Mark, you talk about, you know, you've got multiple generations of workers. You've got multiple generations of parents and then you've got K through 12 education you have to be responsible for. How do you, how do you mold the culture of your digital transformation to fit the culture of your organizational mission? That's a good question. I'm not sure I've gotten there yet, actually, to be honest with you. We're trying, you know, and I think it is that variance from that teacher that's been teaching for 55 years in a Dodea mm -hmm. school um, and is reluctant even to access the internet for their curriculum, which is all internet-based now anyway, to that innovator, that you know, education technologist that every day is asking me, when are we gonna get this product? When are we gonna get this product? And I think it, it's been an interesting journey so far as we've done that, but I think we're, we're able to engage everyone and have been through, through robust communication, through um, focus groups, trying to bring in everyone to sort of move the organization forward together in, in many ways, I think. Um, one of the biggest challenges, and I, I missed it earlier, has really been my IT staff. 
you know, even if you look at your IT departments as we're making these migrations to cloud, I have system administrators that have been with the organization for 25 years. They're, they're kicking and screaming, hugging that server in the server room when I'm telling them, no, that's in the cloud now. So there's a whole aspect of culture, even within your IT divisions, that has to change as part of this transformation. If that doesn't change first, I'm probably going to be unsuccessful. You know, when we're having this conversation next year, hopefully somewhere, yeah, um, we, we can talk about where we've, we've been from that. But that's a key point is internally within our own IT support structure has to also transform. It has to also change. So, yeah. Ken, do you see the same thing? Yeah, I uh, underscore the, the importance of the, the IT workforce changing. We've got a couple things. So as I have moved exchange servers from uh, you know, over two, three, four hundred from 190 countries, and it's all in the cloud. I no longer need um, that expertise on the ground. I, I'm moving up the stack. I don't need those network. I still need network engineers. Jerry, Karen, I'm, I'm, I'm not picking on you. Um, but, but, but uh, yeah, exactly. So I'm moving up the stack, and the need is is really at that app layer because infrastructure and platform are being provided to us. I don't have, and from a cybersecurity standpoint, I'm locking down who can touch the control. So the, my, the, the needs that I have in the, in, in the IT space are moving up to that, that consultant role where they can sit down with a customer, understand the business, understand what their requirements, introduce, we talk about innovation as technology, innovation 90% of innovation is business process reengineering. If you're not creating efficiencies on how we work, you're, you, you can just put a new shiny object in there to do it, but it's the old couch path that we're, we're, we're leveraging. So you have to introduce that. So acquisitions, talk about my, my partners constantly looking for those IT organizations that really want to help me execute my mission. They're, they're, they're not, you know, um, more than just a revenue stream. No, that's not the right thing to do. This is a better path because it brings you more value. Um, but as we, as we pivot to this, the, to the, the, the whole COVID era, my dev team, I have my development in the cloud. I now have a dev team that operates in 10, seven to 10 states across the country. It's lower price for me because they're in lower cost of living areas. I get better talent and it's better quality of life. Okay, two, three years ago, management, the management level, we would, you know, maybe you could have one day of telework, but the job's not gonna get done. What we've been forced into is realizing the mission can get done. So as we pivot forward, how am I thinking of, of leveraging what we've experienced for the past two years to really create a healthier workforce that really can execute the mission with a better quality of life? Those are the burning questions for us, and I think we have an opportunity to continue down that path. You know, one of the new things that, that has swept across um, the federal government is diversity and inclusion. Um, and those are challenging sets of issues that are associated with that. But if, as you bring, and, and one of the biggest challenges as you address the diversity issue is the inclusion issue. But the paradigm has shifted so almost every uh, video conference I'm on, instead of having 10 or 15 people, I have 30 or 40 people on a, 
on a, a, a WebEx or a, a Teams uh, meeting. And so there's more people involved, but I don't know their faces, I know their initials. <laughs> you know, the, the introverts I know by initial and the extroverts I know by faces, you know, and, and they haven't muted their, their so, so the, the, the <laughs> cultural issue that we're supposed to be introducing, the, the very difficult, is what are the new norms that I'm putting in place? How are we gonna be, it, how, how is being decentralized and remote in a hybrid way gonna still create inclusive opportunities for career growth, career growth and development? And so we're grappling with that. We're looking at the future. We don't wanna lose the value that we've gotten out of the last couple of years, but we, we wanna leverage that in an effective way. So you're saying the room where it happens is no longer a room, it's on Zoom. Exactly. There you nice. go, nice. right? I got you. <laughs> okay. Byron, so you, again, let's, let's take this to a little bigger level just instead of just two departments. Talk about culture when it comes to a digital transformation writ large and how you all lean into that as, as a partners. So, so it's interesting there because Ken said something I think really powerful in seeing like commercial entities that have gone through this or going, still going through this five years ago, federal civilian, you know, in the same kind of, in that modernization shoot, and then DOD that is kind of grappling with mission, and then the technology modernization that follows after it, right? Um, the, the commercial perspective is that every company is a tech company, right? They do, Starbucks sells coffee as a tech company, right? Um, as the public sector market starts looking at themselves as technology organizations that create or drive this mission outcome, you know, Cancer Institute, for instance, right? It is a technology company focused on bioinformatics that is trying to eradicate cancer, right? CMS is a technology company that is uh, responsible for overseeing and orchestrating the Medicare and Medicaid portfolio for us, right? That perspective starts driving the right behaviors in organization. And like we look at org change in you know, multiple models, top down, bottom up, middle out kind of thing. And they're all right in some ways and they're all wrong in, in some ways. And it's sort of as the organization, you know, the, the people and the culture that exists tailoring that um, specific modernization journey, the specific, the specific needs of the, le the levers to pull to move them to, the, to a better place where they can start you know, making um, good investment decisions for the technology platforms they use or the technology services that they acquire. They can start accelerating and democratizing the pace at which they change with modernizing legacy systems or decoupling things from you know, the on-prem kind of world that we all lived in for the entirety of the technology world. Um, that becomes a, a, a real journey that we start seeing and sort of as we look at, you know, state, right, seeing that con convergence in ServiceNow environments, which remember that pretty well, um, and the technology business management pers perspective that sort of was put in to make that investment review and decisions uh, more strong and, and, and better for it, um, like that repetition of it as we go through different customer environments becomes like, it's the same story with different actors and different, you know, a different path, but we're all, like everybody that we run into, it's, they're at a point in that journey. That's great. Okay, gents, to wrap this up, I'm gonna give you each like one and a half minutes or so to tell us one lesson that you would give to our, our esteemed uh, audience out here. They're all in the midst of some type of digital transformation. Give us one thing you would do if you find yourself stuck. One tip for them. So we'll start with you again. I sat in the wrong chair. I should have been down there. So <laughs> I could have answered no. that. <laughs> one thing, one thing that, that I would do if, we, if I found myself stuck. 
I think it really would be rally the troops. You know, I'm a, I'm a soldier. Rally the troops. Bring the team together. How do we get past this? Um, because it, it, we're not one person. We're, we're a team that's making this happen. So how do we get past whatever this is? Um, and include a collaboration with, with users and others to see what the, the best solution would be and vendors, others, to get past that. So, I, Ken? Yeah, I'll focus on the, uh, the IT space. We talk about low code, no code. If you're not doing that, you're introducing technical debt of the future. We, you, the, it is so critical that we, we look at these platforms from that low code to no code so we don't have that technical debt. But the, the biggest fundamental change in, in the IT workforce that is, is driving success at State Department is agile development, understanding MVP and then iterating. I, I, we literally do, I, I, I can be you know, fact-checked in a minute by one of my staff. Um, <laughs> we, we do about six sprints a week and, and we have about four, five work streams and we're, we, we get to that MVP in an agile way and then we start iterating the highest priorities to the lowest and it's a, it is, it's, is, as hard as it is to get some to let go of their servers down in the data centers, it's hard to get, let, to get that transformation from you know, the waterfall approach to an agile approach. But that is the future of what we're doing, what we're here and, and, and doing in, in the IT space. So uh, I'll do a Douglas Adams callback of, you know, first off, don't panic, right? You are, remember that, you know, if you're stuck in a modernization effort, you're not alone. People have walked this journey before you. People are walking it alongside you. Um, so it's going to be okay, somehow. <laughs> the vendor community, the, 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 honestly, the government community, I mean, so, the networks that we establish at places like this, at other conferences for it, you know, somebody has walked through and hit this path for it. Um, call out to friends, like, it's okay. Um, and then also, I mean, of the vendor partners that you have, right, as you look through how you buy services, Ken said something about demand that they are consultants, not, they're not gonna go take an order, they're gonna challenge inferences, they're going to ask the hard questions of why are we doing this this way, is there, have we thought about something different? Um, because if you don't get that, then you're kind of in this echo chamber. Um, and if you're stuck in an echo chamber, not a great place to be. Um, you're burning dollars, you're burning time, you're burning goodwill, you're burning, you know, you're, you're not completing that mission that you need to. So, I mean, those two things, like it's gonna be okay, make sure that you're, you're finding partners that really can, that want to, that care about your mission as much as you do, and will push along the, the you know, consulting path to help you get there together. Well, gentlemen, thank you for your time today. This has been a great, this is a very uh, insightful conversation, and I look forward to having more discussion in the future. And Mark, I'm going to hold you to that promise to tell me next year how you're doing. <laughs> Steve?